This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday, Thanksgiving week. Good to be with you today, Matt and Patrick. We are as jam-packed as I have ever been. I have never had four interviews in a show, four independent ones. I got them today. Rose Roach from Healthcare for Mall. She's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to her about this expanded, the privatized uh, healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid programs. We're going to talk about that. Ellie Krug is going to join us late this hour as well. Next hour, Terry Johnzilla is going to join us from New Orleans. I, shan't, I can't say it like that. New Orleans. There you go. Got to say it right. New Orleans. Uh, he's down there uh, enjoying his Thanksgiving week there. We'll talk to him about Thanksgiving and then some Thanksgiving cooking. And uh, after the Vikes loss last night, Michael Broadcorp will join us to give an update on the Vikings as well as one or two other things per se. Uh, Patrick, how are we today? Doing pretty well. I went to the Eagles and Doobie Brothers on Saturday night, so that was an exciting experience for me. Mike, uh, Michael McDonald is... Uh, a phenomenal singer. He absolutely is, and he still sounds really good. Well, he's okay. Can I be? When he was young, he sounded like a, a you know like an elderly singer. So I got to imagine it's only sound better now. <laughs> Probably right about that. By the way, welcome to the party, pal. I was at the first Eagles farewell tour. You're welcome. I was I was Alpine Valley over in, in Wisconsin. I got the first uh, first Eagles goodbye concert. Which was in nineteen, I think it was nineteen ninety three, to give you an idea of how long ago that was. It might have been ninety four. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, um, the, the first one. Uh, it, it, was it good? I thought it was really good. Um, the Doobie Brothers concert I thought was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They only played about an hour, but it was still. They only played. My God, they have five or six hours worth of hits. Yeah, I think I, I'm guessing something to do with that. They were the opener. Oh, yeah. They were also the. Uh, I heard the same thing about Stevie Nicks, by the way, too. Go ahead. Yeah, they were also a last minute fill in for Steely Dan, who I actually bought the ticket to go see, but unfortunately they had to pull out in the middle of last week. So, oh. did Ricky lose that number? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, Steely Dan is one of those insanely underrated bands. And I can I, I have a lot of people um, that, that Steely Dan is yeah it's one of those bands that yeah uh, it's a shame that they didn't make it but the Doobies you didn't go wrong the Doobies stepping in there are worse fill-in bands or something like that you know they're 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 that's a that's a solid pickup yeah it's really interesting if you kind of look at this Eagles tour the people who have opened for them whether planned or. People who had to jump in, you're like, these are people who could have their own oh, yeah. two and a half hour concert in their own right, and they'd fill a stadium. Uh, I went to Christmas Carol over the Guthrie, 
which was it's that is you know I don't know what it is this year. Usually I really kind of am abrasions abracious to to um, holiday Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving. But I, I mentioned when I was down in New Orleans myself, uh, not this last week, yesterday, but the weekend before that, they were putting up all the, the Christmas decorations, and I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then I, so I went and saw that, and it's such a lovely presentation. It is such a lovely presentation they do over there. It is an insanely complicated presentation. They pull it off, too. Uh, so go catch Christmas Carol. That's running over at the Guthrie, I think, till the 30th of December, so you got plenty of time. But the show I was at yesterday was nearly sold out, so – you need to get your tickets if you're going to go see that. It, it is worth the time, that's for sure. Um, so got, did that, got got all the rest of the leaves. Finally, the rest of the leaves fell out of the freaking trees. So thank gosh for that. And I have been making holiday Christmas, thanks, Christmas Thanksgiving stuff. I, as a matter of fact, if you smell me, and anyone can, come smell me. Uh, I smell like cranberry relish right now because I just made that literally right before I came here to the station. And if, by the way, Patrick, if you ever have to make something for like to bring to pass along one bag of cranberries, one cup of sugar, one cup of water, some orange zest and the juice of one orange, put it in a pot. When the skins on the, 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 uh, cranberries start popping, put it into a jar, put it in the fridge. It will freeze. It will harden up. Bon voyage, easy, quick. And that's cost effective. My friend, that is cost effective. Sounds cost-effective and delicious. It is. It, I, the second I started making it, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. It was good enough yesterday. I made, I made pecan pies yesterday. Um, and I know pecan. Pecan. All right. Pecan pies. I made them yesterday. And, uh, yeah. And now my house is starting to smell really good. I got to make uh, green bean casserole and butternut squash tonight. So go team go. 952-946-6205. Well, since I've got a few minutes here before I get to you know interview with on on the show, uh, let me give you an update on a story that it's not a local story, but it is. It, it was one of those stories where I like, what were you thinking? This involves the police chief, uh, the former police chief of Gideon of Gideon, uh, excuse me, of uh, Marion, uh, Kansas, Marion, Kansas. Gideon Cody is the guy. He's the guy that raided a newspaper. Now, once again. You can raid a newspaper if you pretty much have undeniable evidence of a crime. Like there's a reporter dealing drugs and you've got them on camera. You've got plenty of witnesses. You can raid that. But you've got to be very careful about what you do. That's not what he did. He basically, because he's, it sounds like he was pee-whipped, he uh, – I think a scientific term, by the way. Uh, because he w- he was trying to impress a lady friend in town who apparently – he likes her cooking. Uh, he basically decided to violate the Constitution massively and raid a police, uh, uh, raid a newspaper. And by the way, one of the owners of the newspaper died the next day from the stress of the raid. So there's that too. Anyway, we have updates, and this is exactly what you think it was. Former Marion County Chief Gideon Cody spoke with the restaurant owner who accused the local newspaper of criminal activity for checking her driver's license status shortly after he raided his newsroom uh, in in August, uh, commiserating about the situation and saying the search yielded, quote, good evidence, unquote. Now, so what did you know, kind of briefly going through this, uh, this woman, Carrie Newell, 
who's yeah you know I don't necessarily say she's the the complete bad guy. Cody really seems like the idiot here, but she's not innocent. She went before the Marion City Council to get a license for a catering business, and it became delight that she had a restricted driver's license, which is generally a no go. The city council person um, that suggested that they or brought forward this evidence, you know, when they said, "Well, how did you find out about this?" Well, apparently the newspaper had found out about it and would saying, "Did you were you aware of this in regards to the the upcoming application process?" As a news outlet might do. And needless to say, it, it, it you know apparently Carrie Newell went to the police chief, and the police chief said, "I I, I think she'll kiss me if I do this. And all I have to do is violate the First Amendment mightily." Uh, and so that that's that's kind of how we got got here. All right. So and and Carrie Newell did an interview about a month ago where she was like, "I'm just an innocent victim." Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Body cam footage from Cody shows a phone call between then-chief and Carrie Newell, the owner of the two Marion establishments. The day officers searched the Marion County record, the home of its publisher, Eric Meyer, and the home of city councilwoman Ruth Herbel. Herbel was the city councilwoman who basically confronted uh, Gide- or, uh, the um, uh, Carrie Newell at the city council meeting. Newell has accused the newspaper of identity theft after it accessed a public state database to verify that she has a suspended license. Now, that's not exactly what happened. You basically can access that. Anyone can access that database. That's what they did. And she got very upset. Basically, she was upset that they found out the truth. Video shows Cody effectively providing Newell with a play-by-play of the day's events, offering a purported victim and witness an extraordinary window in the ongoing police investigation. Now, a reminder, Carrie Newell is not with law enforcement or like the county attorneys. She's a restaurant owner who apparently the former chief here is deeply in love with. I'm going to guess because I can't figure out why the heck you would do this, dude. She got you tied around that little finger, doesn't she? What appears to be the start of the call, Cody says, hey, honey. (laughs) Unless you're talking to a a, a serial mascot, I don't think that's appropriate, but okay, fine. Hey, honey, we can't write anything. Newell responds that she understands, basically saying, don't take any notes. It It tells you the chief of police here was really... You know, Cody was really above board. He knew exactly what was going on. Cody tells Newell that he just hit Ruth and Eric's. So now I'm I'm uh, heading over to Eric's house. Newell interjects, holy blank. I have some feeling the attention. And she didn't say blank. Uh, I have a feeling the attention will no longer be on you. It will be on me. But that's part of my job is to take some of the attention off of people. Is it? Is that part of your job as the chief of the Marion County Police? I don't think that's part of your job. I think part of your job is enforcing laws, not making sure your little schnookum wookums there doesn't doesn't have a, you know bad feelings because the truth got found out about her. Uh, so I don't think that's part of your job trying to take the heat off other people. Um, Cody says during the call, like I say, you're the victim. You live in this society like everybody else. You have the right to justice as well. Well, not so much the uh, the newspaper or uh, the dead newspaper owner or the city councilwoman. Uh, no, they don't deserve it. But, hey, she's pretty sweet on me, honey. 
Um, they don't see it that right, that way. They're screaming $3 million lawsuits. I'm already getting phone calls, Cody says. I've got this uh, headache coming out of this world right now. Cody refers to attempting to download information but tells Newell it didn't work. An apparent reference to electronic devices taken from the record. So they're, they're, they're noting that they tried to download the hard drives from the newspaper, probably without a court order, uh, but they couldn't do it. Since they, they basically decided to take the devices. The body cam footage underscores just how much of the events that led up to the raid, including why Cody appeared to close touch with Newell during the searches, remains unknown. Fallout from the raid is also continuing early this week as Marion County Administrator uh, Brogan Jones resigned and voters ousted Herbal during last week's local elections. Uh, Bernie Rhodes, an attorney for the record, called the beyond astonishing that Cody would admit on camera to hiding evidence when he told Newell that he did not put anything in writing. It was also surprising, he said, when Cody briefed Newell on the searches and they unfolded for Cody to suggest that he's merely doing his job is clearly a lie, said Rose, who also represents the star. When the police execute the search warrant, they don't normally in, in the middle of the call, uh, in the middle of it, call up the so-called victim and start telling them what they found. Meyer, the newspaper publisher, said he's still confounded by Cody's actions, including his call to Newell while get, driving uh, between searches. It is particularly odd that he would talk to her so repeatedly, given that Gideon Cody never spoke to me about this, Meyer said. He laughed at Cody's suggestion the searches derived good evidence. He noted that the officers took unrelated documents like the former job applicant's story about haunted houses, but left the documentation that the newspaper pulled on Newell's driving record on his desk. So supposedly what this crackpot police officer did was... That that the evidence that went was along with that they just left that behind. So it tells you everything about what what this was really about. The thing that they're considering was illegal, which wasn't illegal. They never took it. He said the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, which took over Cody's investigation shortly after the searches, said its inquiry remains ongoing. Has not yet answered questions about whether they are investigating allegations against the newspaper employees or Cody himself. The record reported last month that body cam footage showed Newell in contact with Cody on the day of the searches. Newell also told KSHB in September that she deleted text messages between her and Cody at his behest. Wow. Reached for the star on Thursday. Newell declined to comment. Funny. Cody didn't respond to requests for comment. Marion in town, a, a fewer than 2,000 people, has thrust in the national spotlight in August after the searches led by Cody. He claimed he was looking for allegations the newspaper employees illegally accessed Newell's driving record and in the days following the searches was preparing affidavits for criminal charges against newspaper employees and Herbal. The Kansas Department of Revenue, which maintains the database of the records, has said the search, the search assessed only public information, but the warrants were withdrawn by Marion County Attorney Joel Enzi, who said there was just not enough evidence. Uh, prior to the August searches, the Marion County record had been looking into Cody's background. The Star reported that the search that when Cody left the Marion earlier this year, he was facing demotion in the Kansas City uh, he left for Marion early this year. He was facing demotion from the Kansas City Police Department because of inappropriate remarks made to a lower-ranking officer. Cody resigned last month, weeks after Deb Groover, a former Marion County record reporter, filed a lawsuit against him. In his response to Groover's lawsuit, Cody called the KBI's continued involvement in the investigation a conflict of interest. The KBI, Marion County Sheriff's Office, and Kansas Department of Bureau were all in touch with Cody Prior to the searches, public records show the sheriff's office appeared to assist Cody in drafting the search warrant applications that were used to justify the raid. So they tried to pull this off, 
immediately got I mean, and have you noticed they, they dropped these charges because there's even a conservative judge says you just don't raid a newspaper, you know, willy nilly. And then, of course, then the question of why did you leave the evidence you were supposedly looking for behind and just take all the hard drives from the computers? So, yeah, this is, you know, Cody's obviously horrible. Newell doesn't sound like she's, I mean, as much as she tries to sound, I'm just this innocent victim. The fact that she was just, she and Cody were talking back and forth. She was kind of part of this. So she can, you can scream that all day long, but she sounds like she's a fool. Uh, there have been some repercussions as well on this. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Come on back. Once again, after this, guest heavy all the way through the rest of the show. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to be with you. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So we're going back down to Marion, Kansas, which once again, the, the reason why <laughs> this is remarkable that a police officer, how much, how much must you be in love with this woman to basically say, I'll use my police department to violate the constitution of the newspaper. Uh, uh, will you love me? Love me? Care for me? <laughs> oh, dude, you are. And, you know, he's going, he's going to, how much has he cost that county? I mean, how much money has he cost that county? I mean, right now, I guarantee you there's, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be sitting there saying, you know, you know, come on, newspaper. Yeah, it wasn't right, but are you going to take all these taxpayer dollars? Yeah, take them for every damn dime they have. Maybe, just maybe, as opposed to basically blindly hiring some idiot who clearly was run out of one town and thinking to yourself that this was a good hire, maybe you should go on out there and, I don't know, find someone who's going to care about the populace. Uh, meanwhile, in city administration in Marion County, uh, Kansas News, during Monday's city council meeting, Herbal, this is a city council member who brought up the fact that the license was suspended at the first council meeting, which basically started this all downhill, accused Jones, the city administrator, of lying about forwarding an email about Newell she sent to him a week uh, a week before the raids. Herbal said she had lost faith in Jones, saying she believed his decision to forward the email, which was cited in the affidavit for the search of Herbal's home, kicked off a series of events that led to the raids. Now, I'd like to hear your answer. Why did you forward this email to the uh, to the council, Herbal asked. Outgoing mayor David Mayfield jumped in, basically. So I think the mayor is somehow, outgoing mayor is somehow involved, saying he told Jones to forward the email. Herbal then asked Jones why he apparently told her he did not share the email. Jones then tried to say that he did not say that, but he, he told nobody but council. You are a liar, Herbal said, pointing her index finger at Jones, who responded that he had the direct quote on his phone, uh, Jones on uh, Tuesday morning gave 60 days notice of his resignation. The letter sent to the council members, he wrote that he will ensure a smooth transition of his responsibilities before his last days on January 12th. Uh, so, yeah, this is, you know, and this is stuff that goes on in a lot of small towns, not all small towns. I mean, there there are most small towns, I think, generally are fairly well run and stuff. But you have 
when you when you are looking at putting the people in charge, you need to have people that you can trust that are not going to go on in a personal agenda. And in the case here, I mean, clearly the mayor, the outgoing mayor, is somehow involved here. The fact that he is uh, running to the aid of the city clerk, um, which once again, it's it just that's where it is. I mean, she she got the email from the you know from the the newspaper saying, "Are were you aware of this?" Uh, knowing that this was business coming up, she forwarded onto the city the city clerk. The city clerk then apparently was told by the mayor to forward it onto everyone, and then. It got forwarded on to the police department, and Carrie Newell basically goes, hey, Mr. Police Officer, can you go violate the Constitution? And this officer's like, she likes me. And Well, I mean, I don't know. What, what else could it be? How could you be this bad at your job, you stupid idiot? How could you be this bad at your job? The consequences, I don't think Newell's going to be long for this town either. I mean, the story in October was that her businesses had lost 60% of their customers. Uh, and while the, the TV station made the point, they were there during lunch break and there was only three customers in the entire store. Uh, so in you know that was, that was one of the things they commented on. But back then, back when she did the story, she completely tried to make the argument that she was just this innocent victim, that she was not you know there. And I still think the police officer, Cody, the chief, he is the main culprit here, and unfortunately, the city of Marion and Marion County as well is about to learn a big freaking lesson in why you do background checks on morons who you're about to hire to make sure you don't hire one of them. Basically, he seems like the primary person, but Newell clearly, especially with this body cam footage, was very much aware, was very much keeping part of this, deleted text messages, was was told by the chief, don't write down anything. She was part of this. And you know, I it's she she claimed back then that she was it was part of a divorce, that her ex was was basically trying to get her well, no, and if you if if you're not being honest about having a suspended driver's license is you're trying to get in catering business, which requires you generally to drive places. I think that that is going to be kind of one of those things that's going to come back and bite you a little bit. So I, you know, it's, this is a problem because here you have what, once again, police chief, clearly this woman, this restaurant here, local business owner, the outgoing mayor, multiple people involved in this, and it's going to cost the county millions and millions of dollars. And let me also make sure I mention that the the raid, the 98-year-old co-owner of the newspaper who was – this was the uh, publisher, Eric Meyer. Uh, this was his mother. She died the next day after the raid because of the stress of the raid that actually the doctors labeled that as part of the reason of her death so you have a you're probably going to have a de- the, the doctors actually said this so now you're going to have a, a definitive lawsuit on the loss of this woman you have the one in one reporter who's suing they're all going to have to get paid i you know i i just it it is remarkable to me that the, you know, and this is. By the way, let me make sure I go back to the point I was making. There are at least probably twenty towns in the state of Minnesota where this is going on. That's this kind of kind of backrooms dealings is going on. But there's just they're smart enough not to go raid the newspaper, 
and all of a sudden get the national news media attention on the town. You know, it's it, so, I mean, it, the, 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 and nationwide, I guarantee you, a few, few hundred, maybe a thousand towns are kind of run like this, where it's, you know, kind of as long as once you get in the city borders, there's nothing anyone's going to do. I mean, you basically are subjected to the laws, at, not of the land, but as the chief or the law, local law enforcement dictated, or the local mayor dictates, or the local county attorney dictates. And it's just nice to see one of these cases where this is blown up in their faces so bad. I'm I'm starting to wonder how much time Officer Cody is going to spend in jail because I'm going to guess he's going to go to jail. I mean, the, this investigation into him, he doesn't sound like he was a decent guy in the first place. So, yeah. All right. Update on that done. When we come on back, Healthcare for All's Rose Roach are going to join us. We're going to talk about the, these uh, – mysterious to say the least mysterious um you know for-profit you know companies that come out looking for uh seniors to 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 take a few bucks from the federal government we'll talk about that when we come on back it's the matt mcneil show right here on am 950 AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. So, uh, Patrick, one of the things I – do you like the X-Files? Are you, are you a person who has occasionally watched the X-Files? My mom is working her way through that right now, so I've seen a few episodes. Okay. I, I, I watched them all back when they came on out, and I hadn't watched them in 20 years. So I turned on Comet, right? And they carry them. And I got – so I've been watching a few of them. To tell you who the the audience is there, there are all these ads that pop up during this, uh, during these episodes, talking about um, Medicare Advantage within Medicare. Basically, it's it's a um, you know the privatization of the Medicare program, and it's interesting because there is an insane push. I have seen hundreds of ads to try to get people to sign up for this. But lately, there have been a few news stories out there. I believe there was one in The Reformer, one in MinPost that talked about kind of this is this is something that needs to be regulated a little bit. Kind enough to join us today to talk a little bit about this is Rose Roach. She is board chair for the Healthcare for All in Minnesota. She is kind enough to take some time today to talk about these for-profit Medicare Advantage programs uh, that are out there. Uh, Rose, thank you very much, and thanks for coming back to the show. I appreciate the time. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Because no, there is, I'm, I'm not mistaken, there is a massive push to get people to sign up to these these kind of specialized programs, right? There sure is. Um, brokers actually get higher commissions for steering you towards a Medicare Advantage plan than they do for a Medigap or supplemental plan if you choose traditional Medicare to cover that 20% that traditional Medicare doesn't cover. Can you do me a favor and let's just for everyone kind of go back back to basics. Why don't you explain those two things with the difference between the gap coverage and the Medicare Advantage program? Sure. So let's start with Medicare Advantage. Um, It's the misleading name, actually, that's given (laughs) to the privatized portion of Medicare, as you said, right? So it's the portion in which tax dollars are funneled through insurance companies. And trust me, it's a boatload of taxpayer money that is earmarked for health care that isn't necessarily entirely going to health care. So Medicare Advantage really isn't Medicare. 
Um, and what, what happens with traditional Medicare, though, you know, back in 1965 when we passed uh, Medicare, uh, it was an 80-20 plan, meaning Medicare would pay for 80% of the cost of that health care and 20% would come out of pocket. Now, back in 65, that was a lot different in cost yes. right, than it is nowadays, of course. And so what you do, and I am now a retiree and I am now Medicare age myself and on Medicare, um, you buy a what's called a supplemental or a Medigap plan that picks up that 20%. And the reason that in the long run is the better way for you to go, understanding it's going to cost you a little bit more, which we've got to fix, okay? I want to make that clear. We've got to fix that. But right now, it does cost you a little more, but in the long run, you're going to be better off because traditional Medicare is basically taken everywhere. Um, you have a lot less hassles with things like prior authorizations and denials of your claims, uh, and a lot of the things that seniors who are on those plans now are finding out, maybe that Medicare Advantage plan might have been cheap on the front end, but it's costing me a lot of money on the back end. So there is a gap option that comes through Medicare, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, well, and it's, well, it's it's not through Medicare. I mean, you, you get the gap plan the same way you do a Medicare Advantage plan. I mean, you have to buy it on uh-huh. the market. But But that one, that gap plan generally is a much safer one. Medicare Advantage, yes. th- this is the healthcare industry's back door into getting some of this money from the Medicare program, correct? Exactly. I mean, think about it. When Medicare uh, passed in 1965, one of the reasons it did was because insurance companies didn't want to really uh, have to cover old and sick people. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> um, and boy, if they had a change of heart about that. Um, it's kind of like um, I say this often when I talk about this. Back in the 1930s, Willie Sutton was a bank robber, and he was asked, why do you rob banks? And the answer was, because that's where the money is. Well, private equity, Wall Street, and billionaires have figured out Medicare is where the money is. As a matter of fact, they are, the companies that are in our Medicare program, the profiteers, are making two and a half times um, on a Medicare recipient than they are on their commercial market. Oh, so it it actually is more much more profitable for them to get mm-hmm. people on the Medicare Advantage program than even their regular healthcare pre uh, Medicare, correct? Correct. Oh wow. Okay, so well, Humana just decided to leave the commercial market because <laughs> <laughs> they said that they're making more money off of the public, off of Medicare, Medicaid, all of our you know our, our government are our, our, really their public health programs. They're privatized. There's very little that you can find anymore that truly isn't. So let me okay. So when they when they put in this idea, it's like okay, we're going to make sure that you know maybe not through Medicare, but there's a gap option there that we're going to authorize that. It sounds like that evolved into two very specific things. How did that happen? I mean, because it would seem to me the entire concept of Medicare is a pretty solid one. And, you know, okay, fine. So it's not perfect because, as you said earlier, you know, you're still 20% short. But, you know, you can get that gap coverage. It costs you a little bit more. How does something like that get evolved into a Medicare Advantage where it basically is about, you know, you know shifting as much money of taxpayer dollars into private coffers? You know, I think really the foundation of that is the foundation of how this is happening in our entire healthcare system. It's this belief, this belief that has no evidence, is not evidence based, <clears throat> excuse me, that somehow we're overusing healthcare in this country. And, um, and we overuse it because if we pay for it on a fee for service basis, which is simply you provide a service, you get the fee for it, right? They they try to demean physicians and our care providers by saying, if you pay them like that, they're going to over 
um, use or overprescribe healthcare. It's absurd and it's insulting, and there's no evidence that shows that, not in any broad sense. And so everything goes into this, well, the, you know, it's all the government is the problem, right? The solution is the private market. And so they can, the, the private market convinced, um, the Congress that they could do it more cost effectively, more efficiently. They could improve quality. They could uh, decrease disparities. None of that has happened. The Kaiser Family Foundation found that, in fact, no, nowhere along the line here has Medicare Advantage ever saved money inside of the Medicare system. Well, it's when you privatize anything, and we can go prisons, yeah. schools, anything like that. You privatize this stuff, the first thing that gets paid is bonuses and, 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 and salaries, executive salaries, which generally are not paid when the government's running a program. So you already are running a deficit the second you sign up to a privatization because that's just how private businesses work. And so clearly the government was in on the fix. I think we figured that one out. Yeah, right? yeah. They were in on the fix. You're, right? <laughs> yeah, you're complete. You're exactly right. And, you know, here's the really astonishing thing about this. Recently, just uh, about a month and a half ago, the Physicians for a National Health Program did this in, um, really intense study around this issue of Medicare Advantage. And you can get there. Uh, you can download this report. It's not that long. It's like 20 pages. Uh, very easy to read. It's called Our Payments, Their Profits. They found that these um, these privatized plans are overbilling uh, Medicare, our Medicare fund, by anywhere from 88 to $140 billion a year. Billion. Matt, if, billion. Wow. If we took, you know what, it, what, what $136 billion a year would wipe out any of us having to pay a Part B Medicare premium. What we need to do is we need to get Congress, the White House, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services to look at this because this is there's exposés all over the place about this. The Office of the Inspector General has found them to be committing fraud. They need we need to claw that money back, put it into traditional Medicare, and make traditional Medicare the option for seniors and the disabled to actually be able to choose. We could wipe out all kinds of these out-of-pocket costs that exist um, in traditional Medicare. We could expand it to make sure it covers dental and vision and hearing because those are the little things they add on Medicare Advantage to hook people in. And then all of a sudden they get sick and then they have to start using the product. And now they're getting claims denials and their physicians are having to fight with insurance companies for hours to get that patient the medication or the procedure or treatment that they need. Rose Roach joining us is uh, Healthcare for All Minnesota uh, talking about the problems with Medicare Advantage. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You've talked about the amount of fraud and waste here. So basically, if I am a senior and I sign up for a Medicare Advantage program to help offset that 20% that the Medicare doesn't cover, um, generally, and I can tell you from the ads I see, they tell you everything's covered. Vision, dental, everything. You know, you, you'll you have everything covered. I mean, they make it sound like this is basically the insurance blanket that you need to wrap yourself into. But it sounds like what like a lot of these things – most of that is lies in that, you know, they might cover a flu shot, but the reality is, is they're not, they're pretty much not going to cover anything else because once again, they want as much of this money to kind of go into their pocket as possible. 
Yeah, and I mean, Congress is actually beginning to look into this. They've been having some hearings, particularly around this advertising issue and whether or not that advertising is sort of truth in advertising, <laughs> um, because they are, they have seen, uh, from, I think it was 2021 to 2022, they saw an increase in complaints of, of, um, senior citizens going from like 15,000 complaints in 2021 to over 40,000 complaints in 2022 really focused on misleading um, advertising that people kind of get sucked into. But, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, the reality is if you're a for-profit co- company in this country, I believe you legally have to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, that's what's so insidious because in healthcare, the only way you can do that is take more money in than you pay out. So that has to mean you're going to deny care. Mm-hmm. That is immoral. Well, we should not run a healthcare system like that. Well, but when you're talking about what their arguments were, I mean, it's it's the standard thing we hear in this case. They accuse mm-hmm. the, the government program of doing exactly what they're going to do. There's co- there's cost overrides. We'll get rid of them. The reality is is there's not really cost overrides. One or two might be a little bit of an issue, but it's a minor problem. But the cost overrides you're going to get with the privatization, they're going to be ob- obsolete and. You know, they're, they're just, it's this, this constant sell that you have to privatize things that, you know, we should have learned our lesson on this because this is clearly, and we're talking all taxpayers. It's not just seniors here. All taxpayers right. are getting, you know, screwed over by this. Right. And, you know, we do have some data on this. Traditional Medicare operates at an overhead cost of about 2%. Okay. Maybe even a little less. So two cents. Of every dollar we put in there is getting spent on overhead, 98 cents is getting spent on actual health care. The minute you introduce the private plan, 15% comes right off the top because you may recall, I mean, they get to, they get to say that 15% is our maximum that we will put out in overhead and administrative costs. But when you start to dig in there and see some of the other ways, which one of these ways is something called upcoding, where they literally take a patient and they they pad the diagnostic codes in order to get more money for that patient out of our Medicare fund. I mean, they're depleting the fund. We could have this thing safe and sound for a long time into the future, forever. But this is is very uh, worrisome. We well, gotta nip this in the bud. Well, and Rose, if I can say from a personal experience, and now I'm not on Medicaid, Medicare, but I, I had mm-hmm. an, there was a car accident last year. I was involved in that. I just, I'm, there are still outstanding bills on this. And we had one, I mean, you're going to love this one. I was a radiology center and the bill wasn't, I mean, we paid the bill. They said, well, that's not for the, the, the image that they took. It was to pay the individual to look at the image. And I'm like, uh-huh. are you, how are you guys this messed up? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how is it this compartmentalized and the system as a whole? I mean, I am just saying private insurance is a mess. And that's when you have a case where, I mean, it's cut and dry how it should be paid. In my case, I was hit by another driver. So henceforth, it's pretty clear. When you give Mm -hmm. them, it it terrifies me to think if you give them the keys to the candy store and let them go roam independently, what kind of mayhem they're doing. Well, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what uh, what is our our biggest concern, and it's you know obviously why we continue to try to fight. To first and foremost, right now, the fight is actually deprivatize our current public health programs. Right? I mean, I don't want Medicare Advantage for all. I want an improved and expanded 
Medicare for all. Because I'm telling you, it can run more cost effectively and more efficiently than anything that the private market is trying to do. And I will say this, too. Um, here in the state of Minnesota, kudos to our legislature um, and, and our governor here in the 2023 session, because they have started to tackle this issue. Our Medicaid program is, is you know, got private um, in, it, it, insurance plans in it. About 85 percent of everybody on Medicaid is in an actual managed care organization and uh, even our Minnesota care program is privatized and the legislature put forward some um, good legislation to begin to look at that to try to figure out where are those where is the administrative waste really going in these programs and how do we deprivatize go to direct contracting between the state and the provider save us money be able to increase the reimbursement to the providers and cover more people um, much more cost effectively so that's a really positive thing that our legislature did this year well and and i i think it's it's definitely in a state where you're fighting against the current but what it's going to take Mm -hmm. is as you said i mean i I think we're getting to the point here and it's begrudging and foolish we had a pandemic that sure kind of showed us what we need to do we need to get to a efficient cost efficient single payer system that is that that basically takes care of its people not the executives at these medical companies that basically are raking in the cash and in this case taxpayer cash. And so I think you have to we definitely need to address this and I and I'm I'm glad you're talking about this because like I said, I mean as a person who just saw some of the ads on this, they make it sound <laughs> like it's oh this is this this is our savior and it sounds like it's anything but Yes, it's all in the details, right? Because yep. um, it may give you that, uh, you know, a twice a year dental checkup. It may give you a, a set of hearing aids. Um, but take a look and see. Can you use this, especially for senior citizens? We're in Minnesota, right? Yep. If you are, if you take the winter and head down south somewhere, <laughs> what happens down there if you get sick or you get injured? Because in some cases, people are finding out suddenly their Medicare Advantage plan doesn't cover any of their costs out of their state of residency. They're finding they're getting twelve, fifteen thousand dollar bills on the back end because all of a sudden, well, we don't cover that. That's not included. Um, so, and, and people get their formularies changed. They're on a, you know, maintenance drug and they think, okay, I'm going to go on this plan because it covers that drug and I only pay a few dollars a month. Next thing they know, and they can do this, Matt, they can change the formulary without notice anytime during the plan year. Suddenly that drug is off of the formulary and now you're out four or five hundred bucks a month for that maintenance drug. It's insanity. This uh, is not the way to run a healthcare system. If people want more information about your organization, organization health Care for All Minnesota, where do they go to get that information? Yeah, you go to um, you go to healthcareforallminnesota all one dot org, um, and you will find all kinds of information about um, about Medicare Advantage and how you can help us deprivatize our entire system and actually guarantee health care for everyone, no exception. Rose, outstanding information today. Rose Roach from Healthcare for All Minnesota. Rose, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. You Have bet. a good one. You too. Take care. <laughs> 952-946-6205. Ellie Krug joins us when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Sure. 
AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Today is the Transgender Day of Remembrance. Ellie Krug is kind enough to join us. Ellie, of course, has two, Ellie 2.0 radio on Saturdays at 10 a.m. You can listen to that fantastic show there. She's kind enough today to join us to talk about uh, the uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance. Hi, Ellie. Hey, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on because obviously... I've been paying attention to the crazy train that is going on in many states and in the Republican Party. Yep. Um, this is one of those things where I mean, there's a t- I think there's a town in Tennessee right now, and this is not transgender, but they've basically said you can't be gay in public. That they've passed a law that says this in Tennessee now, which you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they they hold that one up in court. But needless to say, it's this yep. is where this is going, and it's it's we have to remind people that this is. Yeah, you know, hate is wrong. For goodness sakes, we think we'd have learned it by now. Well, so what today is, is uh, every year on November 20th, it's commemorated as Transgender Day of Remembrance. And this is the one day a year that across the U.S., but also across the world, that transgender people who have been killed, Matt, okay, who have been murdered, are remembered. Mm-hmm. So according to a report that came out by the Human Rights Campaign recently, which is uh, HRC is the largest LGBTQ advocacy organization in the U.S., this year alone, so far, 33 transgender or gender nonconforming people have been murdered in the U.S. The majority of those 33 murders have been people of color, and out of that, the highest percentage of, of transgender people who are murdered every year are black transgender women. Um, and uh, another noteworthy fact here, Matt, is that 73% of all those de- of those deaths involved gun violence. The... So this is, this is an epidemic. And, you know, of course, what's going on, just what you just said is, you know, Matt, this year there were, in the legislative season this year, there were more than 500 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced across the country. Even in Minnesota, I think there were four or five or seven that were introduced here in Minnesota. And, you know, and right now, as I speak to you, uh, 23, in 23 states, transgender kids, mainly transgender girls, can't, because of the state laws, can't participate in, in school sports in public school from kindergarten all the way to public university senior year. And there are another 21 states that have prevented uh, transgender people that the states have outlawed trans kids and trans youth and some adults from getting gender-affirming care. In other words, preventing transgender girls, okay, from being able to deal with the voice that your listeners are hearing right now. Because when a trans young trans girl gets gender-affirming care when she gets puberty blockers, she won't grow up with this voice as a woman. So that's how this is so incredibly important. Well, and, and we've, you we've, know, we've what these laws do is they make people feel that it's okay that transgender people are less than worthy. We just have and we've had school board candidates who are on school boards right now who have run with the idea of I'll discriminate against transgender people and transgender students. That is their entire campaign as I will discriminate. Same people who say they claim to be life seem to really have too much problem with transgender people being murdered. And I think that we, we 
it's kind of we're this is such a it's it's already going on as you said thirty three this year alone. By the way, how, what year did they start the trans uh, the transgender day of remembrance? What year? When did that begin? It goes back to nineteen ninety, I believe, and in the last decade, okay, at least three hundred and thirty five. So in the last ten years, three hundred and thirty five transgender and gender nonconforming people have been killed in the United States. Mm-hmm. That's just here in the U.S. Across the world, the number is much higher. Oh yeah. Um, if, if people would like to, I mean, obviously, it's a, a, a we need to make sure this remembrance gets out today. Is there a website? Or is there something that a person can go search online, find out more information about this day? All they have to do is Google Transgender Day of Remembrance, and they'll find all kinds of resources. Okay. Transgender Day of Remembrance today, November twentieth in the United States. And once again, this is something that people it's, we had 33 people already die this year. There are people that are trying to say that's a, that, 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 that number needs to go up and we need to fight that every single stinking day because this is, this hate needs to go away. And this is just, it's, we, we, you know, hate needs to go away for goodness sakes. Um, Ellie, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much uh, for joining us on, on today. I really appreciate the information. All my best on Transgender Day of Remembrance uh, as, as well. Uh, hopefully we, we – I hope there's a day that we, we can kind of remember just the day, not have to do the annual remembrance. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on. And, and a thanks to our listeners who are just wonderful folks, very, very supportive. Ellie Krug, uh, let's take a break. Come on back. Uh, 952-946-6205. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Thanksgiving week Monday. Good to be with you today, Matt and Patrick. Uh, Terry John Zila is our food expert. We have had him on for many years talking about food issues, including Thanksgiving. He is kind enough today to join us to talk about Thanksgiving. This time, though, he is where I was a week ago. He's in New Orleans uh, down there taking a well-deserved Thanksgiving off because he is the hardest working person I know. Terry John Zila, kind enough to take some time. Hey, Terry. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Listen to the pep in your step, my friend. You are... <laughs> As, uh, talk, about, talk about a pep in my step. I have officially done 30,000 steps already today. Uh, you no, know, really? So wait, that's about wait, that's like 10 miles, 12 miles. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, it's been nuts. I just, I, I hit the French Quarter hard, and I've just been walking. Of course, I did stop for three beignets, shoveled those down, yeah. and I thought, I need to keep walking. So you are okay. So what else did you eat? Okay, since you're down there, I mean, I had the beignets. I was at Cafe Du Monde. Did you do those? No, we did the at Cafe Beignet. Okay, of all places. Let's well, if they're going to put beignet yeah, in the title, I, I, if they're they're going to put beignet in the title, it better be a good beignet. And, and they were delicious. I thought they gave me three of them. I thought to myself, I'll have one, and then I'll <laughs> find someone in the cafe that I can give them to. And I thought. I don't think so. I just ate them all, and I'm like, you know what? This is all about me right now. Did you do the muffaletta sandwich at Central Grocery? Because that is, I think, no, the I best have, thing. Honestly, I, I, I got off. I got off the plane. Got, got my. They let me in my hotel room early. I have been just walking. That is on the um, agenda for lunch tomorrow because I'm going to the Commander's Palace for dinner tonight. Nice. And I'm saving my calories for that. That's so em- muffaletta sandwich. Where you told me to go. That's for tomorrow. The Commander's Palace. That's that's Emerald Lagasse's old place, right? Like he, it wasn't his old place. He was the chef there. Yeah. 
So, what do you know? What you're going? Do you know what you're going to have yet? No. What I what I do is I can't have lobster, crab, or shellfish stock. I just tell the chef that, and then I say, "Just bring me dinner." <laughs> is it a muffle on a sandwich? <laughs> well, well I, I'm hoping it's gonna not that that's not lovely in its own right. I'm hoping it'll be something that I can actually use a knife and fork with. Mm. So you you are down there. I mean, and and you are one of the hardest working people out there. Terry John dot com. You want fantastic food. You got an event coming up. Sweet Jesus, this guy is brilliant. His food is amazing. And seriously, just go take a look at the photos at terryjohnzilacatering.com. It is wonderful there. You, you, you've volunteered. You've been, uh, you've been a charity prize many Thanksgivings. You have been making pies and, and other foods for people for Thanksgivings. I'm glad you're taking this one off. Has it been a little difficult to adjust to this? But the thing is, last week was the busiest week we've ever had for our catering company and everything. Literally, with the coffee shop, the wedding cakes. Everything's been the busiest week we've ever had. So it was nice to have this week off because the coffee shop was slow because of the holiday. Yep. And we did have, I had about 10 calls for dinners, and we weren't even advertising. We had about 15 calls for pie, and it was hard to say no. But again, I think next year, um, it just kind of revs me up, and I know that next year we'll, we'll get back into that. But this is the first year in 15 years that I have not done this. And but and I'm glad you're not. If you want to know the truth, I'm really glad. Your pies are amazing, by the way. Your cherry pie is the best cherry pie I've ever had in my life. It is. It is. They are amazing. But the reality is, is I see how hard you're, my friend. I see how hard you work at this. And I think sometimes Thanksgiving, the one of the things that's nice about Thanksgiving is being done and relaxing and taking some time. So I'm very glad you are taking some time for yourself this week. Yeah. No. But also, here's the thing, though. Don't feel too sorry for me because I love it. <laughs> and that's the problem. I mean, the thing is, it's just like, I mean, I just got 12 new cookbooks in the last two weeks. Okay. It's, it's my, <clears throat> my hobby is my work, and my, and, but my work is my hobby. So I'm not exactly suffering. Uh-huh. Um, so what are you on Thanksgiving Day? Are you in New Orleans on Thanksgiving Day? No, I'm in New Orleans um, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, my brother and his wife are driving from Lafayette to pick me up. I'll be spending um, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with them. Okay. And then they're going to drive me back to New Orleans, and I'll be spending Saturday and a uh, good part of Sunday before I come back to Minneapolis Sunday night. Any idea what your New Orleans, or excuse me, your Louisiana Thanksgiving feast will be like? No. Um, it will be my first Southern Thanksgiving. And they gave me a little clues, but the whole thing is they just didn't want me to do anything because I think they do know of what Thanksgiving is usually like for me. So I, I have been instructed to do nothing. <laughs> well, that's, first of all, good call. Uh, I've had Southern Thanksgiving multiple times. It's amazing. And, I mean, it, it obviously, I mean, one of the things you and I have talked over the years about the, the regional differences that you get, I mean, and you're going to get, cor- you're probably going to get cornbread stuffing. And, and, and but I mean, it is, yeah. it's so wonderfully done down there. It's, it's a far cry from what you get up here when we try to do cornbread stuffing and also pecan pie, because that's, that's what you're going to get. That's, I mean, my goodness, in New Orleans, I had, I had pecan pie three times because it was always on the menu and I love pecan pie. And so yeah, my, my, my guess is you're going to get a little bit of that as well. Well, and I think interesting enough, we probably won't have a green bean casserole and we probably won't have sweet potatoes with marshmallows, but you know what? I'm okay with that. Okay. What the the sweet potatoes with ma- uh, marshmallows? That was one which was always a staple. Now I was in Georgia. I've been in South Carolina for Thanksgiving, Georgia for Thanksgiving, uh, and, uh, so I've 
I've seen the sweet potato casserole there. Is this a, you know, they, you've told them, no, they can't bring it in? Or is this the, the decision that's just not on the table? Oh, no, no, no. I have no control issues. I mean, honestly, if, again, if it's not lobster or crab, put it in front of me. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> okay, so just a, a different thing. Have they given you any any other hints of any fun side dishes? You know, honestly, I think he mentioned something. But I was I was multitasking at the time, so I wasn't really paying attention to him. Um, so uh, he was just mentioning it starts sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. Okay. So I um, <laughs> I was just kind of listening to him talk. I knew what the subject that he was talking of, but I I was busy. Oh. So uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to roll with it. It's like whitewater rafting. I'm just going to get in the boat. I know that I won't capsize because if I do capsize, it'll just be into gravy, and I'm uh. good with that. You, well, I'm glad you're – once again, I know you you love your work. You're very good at your work. My God, you're brilliant at your work. And But I'm glad you're taking this time off because you get it should be one of those things you experience every once in a while. Let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Here's the one that I have for you this year. I know of a lot of people – now, whatever floats your boat. It's not illegal. Knock yourself out. Thanksgiving is turkey for a lot of people. I have heard right. ham. Of course, you and I have also talked about the vegetarian thing. But I have heard, and I've I've heard from two friends who said they're doing prime rib this year, which I thought was interesting. And then I was up on realsimple.com, and realsimple.com said it's the fourth most searched recipe this year is prime rib. Yeah. I I think people want something different. And also, I think, interestingly enough, that um, uh, brisket, people want brisket. And a friend of mine who's a chef was online saying, you know, why do you have that dry turkey? I think the problem is is that a lot of people don't know how to cook turkey. Yeah. So they're just so afraid it's going to be dry. And if they just knew how to cook it, it'd be wonderful. And I remember cooking for my parents, and I was cutting this, carving the turkey, and my mom goes, oh, that turkey doesn't done. Turkeys don't have juice. And my dad gently put his hand on her forearm and said, no, honey, your turkeys don't have juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hard lessons of life, aren't they? <laughs> you know, but I think, but I, I think people, but also though, it's just as easy to screw up a prime rib, and it's a more expensive screw up as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now I've 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 learned how to prime rib is one of my favorite, and so I know how to make it. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're said or you said it right, if you're going to screw up one thing, I'd rather screw up a turkey than I would screw up a prime rib. Uh, but I mean, right. it, it doesn't surprise me though when you talk about brisket and stuff in Texas. I mean, that it, I, I, I guess I don't know too much about the prevalence of turkey as just kind of a regional food. I mean, I grew up in the Upper Midwest. I grew up in Rhode Island where they had turkeys out there. They, you know, we had them in the South. But, you know, I imagine you get towards the, the Texas, you get to the desert southwest. I mean, I don't know how many turkeys are even there. I imagine brisket and beef roast were kind of the, the course right. du jour for many years down there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's reasonable. I mean, reasonable. Um, regional. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but everywhere. And then, and then, I mean, by the time you get to California, what the heck do they put on their food anyway? If they actually eat it. <laughs> They'll just look at it like, isn't it pretty? <laughs> uh, or, 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 or pretend to eat and then go throw it up. But that's wow. unfortunate. But wow. Anyway. All right. You, uh, one of the things that helps with you uh, in, in regards to this is you have given me the greatest turkey recipe. And once again, it's your brine recipe. 
I've got it. I'll post it, by the way, for everyone out there that wants to do the brine recipe, the apple cider brine recipe you gave me years ago. I am never going back because it's a prop freaking turkey. You cut into it right. and the juices just come flowing out of the thing. I love that. And it, it gives – I mean everyone that comes says it's the same thing. It's the best turkey they've ever had because it's just so moist. Right. And also it heats up better that way as well. Also, again – I was actually talking to this to somebody else that came into the coffee shop and they were asking me cooking questions. Imagine that. Yeah. And they were saying about, you know, well, you can't have a big bird because people get sick. And I said, no, the problem is, is that people got sick because they would take a big, huge bird, they'd stuff it the night before and put it in the fridge. Yep. Then they'd take it out and they'd bake it in the oven. The, by the time the stuffing got to the temperature, um, the turkey was so chalky that, um, um, uh, it was just ruined. And uh, the thing is, you can't stuff the bird and then refrigerate it. And my tip to everybody is, you can go ahead and stuff your bird. Get your bird out and, to room temperature and then put your stuffing in the microwave and stuff your turkey with warm dressing. Yes. Well, ch- Chalky Turkey, by the way, that is a great pu- – if there's not a punk band named Chalky Turkey, I don't – That's there needs to be one by the end of the day. Uh, I follow your advice from – I think it was the first year you were on. You would said, you know, Matt, make the stuffing in a pan separate, cook the turkey separate, and then what he, you advised me to do is saying put another – you know, per like pound of stuffing, put another half cup of, 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 of turkey stock into the stuffing, and that way when you're roasting it, in a pan, it won't dry out, and I've gone with that, and by God, right. once again, you were right. Because here's the thing is that you can, like I said, if you use the warm stuffing and you stuff your bird, you will find, though, without the stuffing, your bird cooks so much faster because you have that whole cavity where the heat's going in. Mm-hmm. So you can cook a turkey in a couple hours. This whole idea of having the turkey cook for five hours, that's, that's a misnomer. Uh, but when you have the turkey that's been properly prepped and there's no dressing inside, although the dressing inside the turkey is phenomenal, but um, when you don't have that, the the hot air from the oven cooks the bird basically from the inside out as well. So you, you just get you get a bird that you have a lot more control over the temperature. Uh, that's why I say if you are insistent on, insist on stuffing your bird, make sure the stuffing's hot when you put it in, and that's where the bird will cook faster that way. And cook a room temperature bird. Don't put a cold bird in the oven. You've also said another thing, too, which I, I appreciate and I think a lot of people have is don't be afraid. I mean, dark meat cooks at a different rate than white meat does. And you've, right. you've been one of those people that's talked about breaking down the bird and cooking them separately so that you don't dry out the, the white meat just to get to the, the dark meat done correctly. Right. And also, too, I mean, Norman Rockwell isn't going to come over for dinner, nor his ancestors. So the idea of putting the turkey, the whole turkey on the table and then carving it, I don't know what moron thought that up. (laughs) But how uncomfortable, as you're sitting there with your electric knife, you know, the one that goes back and forth, um, that's plugged in. And, um, and then you, that, that's, I just remember my parents and I watched the, the chalky meat come off the brittle bones and it was like, I, I wouldn't want to do that just because. Okay, now I make I make your your juicy prop turkey, but if I was to do that on the table, I'd have to do it in a swimming pool because I'd you know there's there wouldn't be enough of a platter to to hold all the juices in the damn thing. Right, right. So, but yeah, it's interesting that I mean, uh, oh god, how Thanksgiving has changed. But I still I think people really like tradition. So you can do a ham, you can do all that. But I think there's something about having the turkey and the leftovers that are nice because. Prime rib leftovers are not as good as turkey leftovers. 
You know, I do. I got a really good thing with prime rib. I got a good thing that makes it makes you know good prime rib sandwiches. But of course, you know, I got a little bit of that Italian influence in me when I grew up in Rhode Island. So that's kind of you know a good beef sandwich is something I'm, I I love. So I mean, it's not bad. But I will say this: I love the I love what you can do with the turkey afterwards because. In Minnesota, of course, we do the turkey tetrazzini with wild rice. You can do that. I also make an amazing turkey soup if I can pat myself on the back enough. But I do it because it tastes so good because that night I've got – You hurt your shoulder the last time you did that, remember? (laughs) I can't do it too often, so it's pretty hardy when I do. Uh, So, I I mean, what you do is you get that that bird carcass in the pot that night, I mean, and and you, you take care of business, put it outside. Once again, another bit of advice for you, if it's cold Minnesota, you put it out there, boil it down, take the pot, put it outside like in the back of a car for the night. When you get up in the morning, you can skim all the fat off it, and there you go. You've got great stock, and right. off you go with a, a soup. I, I think turkey soup is, is is one of my family favorites just as much as the turkey meal on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And what I like to do is if you have the extra turkey meat, make up some wild rice and then some vegetables in there. Um, yeah. uh, put it in the casserole dish, and then you put the mashed potatoes over it mm-hmm. with the, and the stuffing. And you have basically like a shepherd's pie with turkey. And that's a really fun way to have the leftovers as well. The thing about prime rib is that when you reheat prime rib, you actually have to use hot beef stock to reheat it. You can't cook it again. No, you're exactly right, and you have to have. I I do like those 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 uh, you know kind of uh, paste bouillons. If you want to do those, that helps out. You know those flavor ones in the jar. They're not bad. Obviously, you want to use beef stock, but I I'll use that a little bit because that can that's a quick thing as opposed to like a bouillon cube. It's much better than that. Well, actually, there's a packet of shilling that has the au jus. Yeah, it's like it's in the same spices. That au jus is actually less salty than the beef bouillon cube. And I think the the bouillon cubes can be awfully salty but yeah. i do think that the i think it's a shilling brand um the packets of that zoo that can actually be really nice but again that's people to understand when they try to reheat the beef man it's you know it's, it's not like a potato you can a twice baked potato is great twice baked prime rib <laughs> it's, it's kind of bad well and you are let's bring in let's not let's not be biased here let's bring in the ham because when i was down there uh there was a lot of places that were advertising uh thanksgiving ham dinner in New Orleans. And I mean, I mean, I knew a lot of people back when I lived in the South for a few years that that the ham was as much pop. I might have even been more popular some people than turkey. You know, I, a good ham is always a nice option, too. I, I do enjoy that. Your your inner Homer Simpson. Yes, mm, yeah, <laughs> meats. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and for all the people out there who are vegan, vegetarian, you and I have talked for many years. It's always nice. I, I, I've always, if I've got someone who's coming to the show that doesn't ha- that doesn't eat meat, I always put out one or two just really hearty vegetarian based side dishes that you're going to get filled up on, and you're not going to feel feeling left out. So I well, always no, try to I do that. I think I gave you that recipe for the roasted vegetable um, salad with uh, pearl, pearl couscous. Yes. Yeah, I, that, I got that, that one. That was great for vegetarians. That was great. Um, um, and nowadays, also, I have discovered, you know, with the coffee shop, we have vegans come in. And I do, um, there's a vegan chorizo from Trader Joe's that's mm. phenomenal. Okay. All right. I'm, okay. And I'm, okay. I'm on this action. All right. All right. But honestly, but honestly, we make a vegan breakfast sandwich with that. It is phenomenal. Now, granted, I mean, with a lot of vegetarians, they, they, with the mystery meats, 
sometimes, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how healthy they are, but that <laughs> vegan chorizo is, you almost want to be alone with it. It's just delicious. I, you do have to be careful with that because anytime you get into that heavy duty process side of things, it can go wrong really fast. There can be a lot. You got to look at the list of ingredients on that thing. Right, right. So, but I think that's, that's a good, that's a, that's a good thing to do if you want something heartier, like that, that, that kind of a, more of a dinner type feel, that roasted vegetable salad with the pearl couscous, and you add a little bit of the heated, um, um, uh, uh, chorizo from the, the from the vegan chorizo from Costco or not Costco uh, from um, Trader Joe's. I think it can feel more like dinner to people because mm. you get that depth. Uh, any, I've asked you about this before. I don't know if you have any on the top of your mind. If you don't, don't worry about it. But any wine choices? Any wine thoughts this year? Do me one favor. I just did the Rondo Gala dinner last Wednesday, and we had a Beaujolais. Okay. Now, for some reason, people around Thanksgiving get out the Nouveau Beaujolais which is the most disappointing, sad trombone of a wine was ever created. It's, 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 it, 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 there's something about Nouveau Beaujolais. I just hate It's edgy. It's sharp. But it's a trend. And I think they try because it's, uh, it's a wine that they're trying to get rid of. But a Beaujolais is spectacular with turkey, as is Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 now, I think a lot of times people think, with white meat, you get white wine. Um, I think if you're going to do a white wine, um, sometimes the Australian and the Chilean white wines have a lot more flavor to them mm-hmm. than sometimes American Chardonnays. And I think you're going to get that. They'll, they'll, they'll stand up to the bird a little bit better. Also, a lot of people for Thanksgiving, a dry Riesling. Um, it's got a pitch of a good amount of fruit for like, you know, your, if you have the Manischewitz crowd that wants to feel a little more sophisticated. Getting a dry Riesling will give them a little more residual sugar and will go really well with food. Add a little bit of brightness. I, did, I read an article, uh, the Australian wines, a lot of people are pointing to those. That's, they're getting some really good wines out of Australia right now. Well, and there's, I, I just find that there's more flavor. And I have a great wine rep from Rootstock, and um, I'm not a huge drinker, um, but I do like Brut Rosé. But she's brought some wines into me that um, kind of opened up my mind um, uh, and I like them with food. I, I mean, to sit and have a glass of wine has never been my thing. But if I'm eating something and I have a little bit of wine with it, um, then I then I get I get the process much more. For me, wine is meant to be um, d- a drink with something that I'm eating rather than just a beverage. Um, if you get the chance, take the take the streetcar up to City Park and go to the New Orleans Museum of Art uh, Sculpture Garden. It's spectacular, absolutely spectacular. It could be the best one I've ever seen. Uh, it that's, re- uh, that's, that, that's on the agenda tomorrow afternoon. Beautiful. You enjoy that. And then City Park is amazing to walk through. It's very pretty. And if you get also you get the chance to go to the World War II Museum, that's really great too. I'm glad I mean I know you like to work, but I'm glad you're taking this Thanksgiving off. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Terry, and all my best. Thank you so much for joining us and thanks for all this great information. No, not a problem. I will talk to you soon. Take care, my friend. Travel safe. Terry John Zila, and once again, the catering is terryjohnzilacatering.com. That's terryjohnzilacatering.com. You need a, a caterer. Phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Knight Skylard, who is in Greensboro, North Carolina, listening to us today. Hi, guys. Good to have you with us today. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend coming up here. Uh, 952-946-6205. It has been a crisis in my house, Patrick. It's been a crisis in my house because literally Terry Johnzilla makes the best cherry pie I have ever had in my entire life. Yeah. And, and, and my wife 
hands down, her absolute favorite, absolute favorite pie and dessert. And so it was heartbreaking to hear Terry was not going to be doing it this year. Oh, no. What are you... uh are there going to be uh, some tears shed at the house tonight? No, I, I found I found another cherry pie. We will remain no judgment yet. No judgment yet. I make my pecan pie. I make my pecan pie. The kids, someone a few years ago, they are not invited anymore. Brought a chocolate silk pie, which the kids now demand every Thanksgiving because yeah, after all that food. Hey, how about some pudding? You know, no. But the kids love it, so I got one of those, and so I got pecan pie, got uh, got got uh, got a cherry pie, got that pie. I got a friend who's going to bring, I think, some apple pie. Uh, we're not doing the pumpkin. We just we we kind of I I like pumpkin. I like one slice of pumpkin pie, one slice. This is why when you start pumpkin spice season in on September one, you're crazy. You're seriously. There's something wrong with you people. I get one piece of pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving usually, but I was the I, I got to the point where I was the only one that was eating it, and having to woof down an entire pumpkin pie over a few days—that's a challenge. That's like a frat entrance, you know. So I I kind of pass on that now. So. One problem that we typically run into is uh, a lot of times my family would have the the pecan and uh, pumpkin pie yes. at both Thanksgiving and at Christmas. They're like, well, I already had yeah, the, like, you're this. Kind of, you're uh, disappointing me here a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, I actually like to do um, a, and this this this. There you go. I do on Christmas. I do prime rib and I do a cheesecake. Okay, so I'm really making sure that you basically so you're ready for the winter hibernation. You know, let's face it, you're ready to roll into a den and sleep for the next three months. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, and it's amazing that people put on weight this time of year. Uh, all right, well, tell you what, in the most abrupt shift I've ever made on this show, we are going to go from Thanksgiving food talk to to Michael Broadcorp, Vikings talk, as well as also I'm going to talk Thanksgiving with him as well and get his thoughts on Thanksgiving meal items when we do return. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205, The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. The Progressive Voice of Minnesota, The Matt McNeil Show. That music means one thing and one thing only. That's right. Michael Broadcorp, kind enough to join us today to talk about Vikings. The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky is the fantastic podcast you can listen to. And, of course, uh, you should follow him on social media for his political takes. But we talked football here a little bit on the post-Vikings games. And, Michael, not the, the, not the ending that we wanted to see last night. It was not the ending that we wanted to see. Uh, but... You know, I'm an internal optimist. I'm wearing my optimist sweatshirt right now for the Vikings. Um, it, you know, we lost. Uh, it was a close game. It was, you know, it, you know, defense just performed outstanding. Just did a fantastic job. And, you know, I'm not, again, yeah, I'm not a pure analyst. I've always felt that defenses are harder to fix than offense. And the fact that this defense is clicking along right now, the way in which they are, I think is just fantastic. Uh, but the turnovers just killed us last night. Uh, and, they, and they really provided opportunities for Denver to come back and be in this game, which they shouldn't have been. Um, but what can we say? You know, we're, we, we didn't, we didn't, we're still on the bubble for a playoff spot. I just checked the stats before we 
before this call began in my prep. We're still the number seven seed. We're still in the bubble. And we got a very light schedule remaining, aside from a couple uh, Detroit games. Yeah. We uh, should be able to still – there's still an opportunity for us. You you brought up the lost balls. And, and in this case, the interception that Dobbs threw and the fumble that fumbled – uh, that uh, that uh, Madison had and and Dobbs had as well. I mean those those were basically um, the 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 difference there. I mean and, and it really was. I mean this is a game. These are you know even a, a Denver which is not a great team. You give them the ball once or twice. Guess what? That's going to be enough to give them the win. And and I think that you you look at that. I mean, they didn't have any on Denver side, and that was something that the Vikings have been able to take advantage of on other teams. Denver was able to control the ball and prevent the ball from getting into the Vikings' hands uh, unexpectedly, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that stat right there is the reason the Vikings lost that game. Yeah, a couple other points. In the five losses this season, uh, they, the Vikings have lost the turnover battle 13-2. to It means they've – so in those five losses that they've had, it's all been about turnovers. They've, you know, they've turned the ball over 13 more times uh, 13 times versus the, their opponents at two. And then the other point that the other stat I'd, I'd prep for tonight for our discussion here is the Vikings ran 17 more offensive plays than Denver, had a hundred more offensive yards, held Denver to two and 12 on third downs and won time of possessions by nine minutes and lost. Yeah. Uh, still lost the game all because of turnovers. Those are some great stats that some people have thrown out on social media that I'd say. And it really provides some good analysis into the game. It really establishes that turnovers consistently in analysis that I listed post game, and then what I saw on social media last night and today, uh, it's been the turnovers, turnovers, turnovers that killed us. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at you know Dobbs versus Russell Wilson. If you looked at that game, you say, well, Dobbs outplayed Wilson. But Wilson's rating was 106.7, and Dobbs only had an 80.3. I just don't even, I, I that you know, when you put that on top of the stats you just mentioned, it it almost doesn't make sense. I mean, because Wilson looked bad a lot of this game, and even when he had opportunities like that first fumble, and they're deep in Minnesota territory, he couldn't get the ball in the end zone, and so you know, it really does kind of, I, I, I the Vikings outplayed Denver by a mile last night. There's no question. Uh, I watched it with my family, had some neighbors over. There was no question the Vikings played a better game overall than the Broncos did last night. The problem is the turnovers. Yep. And the stats, I think, show the stats that I read that others have noted uh, in the media and on social media and others. The stats are there. Uh, even though the Vikings lost, they did, the Vikings lost, I think they overall did play a better game. It's just those key moments, those turnovers that are just killing us right now. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical, and oh, hypotheticals are great. Hypothetical, but I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. If Justin Jefferson played in that game, would the Vikings have lost? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think they would have. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, think first of all, Justin Jeff. Yeah, I think Justin Jefferson. I just want to make sure that I was thinking about that. Justin Jefferson is just is just an absolute force on the field. Uh, you know, he adds. Depth to the the offense. He's a, and it would just have been great to have him there. You got to remember something. I mean, what is incredibly surprising over these last you know five six games, the run that the Vikings have been through. And again, it's also important to note that you know they were was was it five in a row, six in a row last night. 
they would have had I mean, they add going into that game. They have the longest streak in the NFL, longest NFL winning streak. That's impressive, and that's been accomplished largely by the defense. And mm-hmm. because because uh, Justin Jefferson has been out, you add him back into that game last night, and it really shakes up the dynamic, and it gives Dobbs another another target, another weapon on the field. And that would have been tremendously helpful, I think. I, I, I think you, you send him deep every time. He has to take two defenders with him. And that if you do that, the second you do that, you mean between, uh, Hawkinson and, and, uh, Addison and KJ, you know, you can spread those three across the field. It becomes impossible to cover them. I mean, and, and I, and I understand that the Vikings are being cautious with him and I'm not against being cautious. But I would say to myself, if I'm a little frustrated with the team because it feels like they're saying, oh, as long as we keep winning without him, that you know we'll keep going for it. Last night, I think it kind of came back and bit them a little bit. That was a one-point difference. We, Justin Jefferson is two or three points at least individually in a game. And, and I think to myself that if he was on that field, I, I get you're trying to save him, but... What are you saving them for? I mean, you've they've done a good job. They're six and five. They you and I have talked about when this was looking dark, and then we lost Kirk Cousins. The fact that we're at six and five, I think, is still a positive. But at the same time, I just yeah, I, I'm a little I'm worried that they are being way too cautious with Jefferson and holding him out when he might have been able to play last night. I can't say for sure. I'm going to go with the Vikings because they seem to be running themselves fairly well at this point. But at the same time, Justin Jefferson would have been that would have been a Vikings win. So your take is: had they put Justin on the put him on, they had had Jefferson on the field, they would have won. They're they're holding him back from these games. Yeah, that's not that's not a bad point. I mean, you know, Denver. I I guess you know, I see your point. I mean, you, you bring Jefferson back for that game. You know, Denver's not some juggernaut. We still lost, but we got Chicago. We got the Bears coming up now. You start him back. You you bring him back in. We're coming into you know the next couple of games. We're going to have a little bit of a softer schedule, and then we have then we have Detroit twice. We have Detroit uh, two of the last three games to close out the season. Um, boy oh boy, you know there's a real possibility here for the Vikings to still come through. And we were also in a real sweet spot yesterday when there was a possibility that Detroit was going to lose. Uh, there was you know having now a three Detroit now has a three game lead. At one point yesterday, there was a real possibility had Detroit lost and where the Vikings were playing, Detroit could have had a one-game lead over us. And then that really would have made the rest of the season season a heck of a lot more interesting. It's still going to be. I still think the Vikings, based on the stats that I've seen, what I've read today, if they continue to win their games, um, they, albeit, could kind of control their destiny a little bit if they win if they win straight out. That's not a small order when you got two when you got two games with Detroit coming down the road. But you still got Green Bay. You still got one Bear, one Bears games, and so there's there's some real opportunity here for this Vikings team to still make the playoffs. I think it's a little harder for them to win the division. Um, yeah. But I think I think it's I think today was I think yesterday's yesterday's games makes it much more difficult for them to win the division. But I still think there's a possibility that this team makes the playoffs, which is astounding to think about yes. where we were five weeks ago, my friend. Uh, how about a defensive player that we need to give a lot of praise to, this Ivan Pace Jr.? Holy gosh, uh, nine tackles Holy yesterday, boy. 29 on the season. He is, I mean, that defense punishes teams, and I'm loving it. I mean, as you, once they got to past week three, they've been a force. And Pace is an unexpected joy to watch because he really, as a linebacker, 
You know, he has, he only has a half a sack this year, but he makes a lot of tackles out there and stops guys in their tracks. I mean, there's a reason why there were so many field goals in that game. It's the defense stopping these guys. They couldn't get 10 yards. Yes, and I think this defensive, the, Brian Flores as uh, defensive coordinator has done just a master masterful job, an absolute master class. The number of, you know, field goals last night that kept uh, Denver out of the end zone. This defense has just started really coming along. And, again, I think it shows uh, how much this team needed a kind of a defensive overhaul. They've got it this season. The numbers are there. The stats are there. If we could just, you know, again, have a quarterback uh, and have some stability at that position, which is a lot to ask, uh, I think we're going to do great. I want to just point out one thing. Alexander Madison last night. Yes. The fumbles and some of the drops. Boy, social media has been hard on him. And I, I just want to point out something that Kevin O'Connell spoke to the media uh, earlier today, and someone tweeted, they said, bench Madison or I will leave my wife and children. Now, that seems a little extreme, yes, but there is a lot of frustration right now about Alexander Madison and holding on uh, to the football. Now, as we've discussed before, Matt, I'm not aware that either you or I know I haven't, but I don't believe you've ever donned an NFL uniform before. Uh, holding on to the ball can be challenging. This gentleman has to hold on to it a little bit better. Yeah, he he does, but he also had one of his better yardage games last yesterday, which was also did, nice yeah. to see. Although I do have some questions about that dude's family life because I don't think that the guy thinking he's going to leave it. Yeah. I, don't, I, I think you're if you're at the point where Madison's performance is going there, I, I think you need to go see, talk to a counselor. All right, let's look yeah, at the, no, you're spot on. <laughs> let's look at the rest of the season here because I I you are optimist. I am I'm I'm not a pessimist per se, but I'm. I think the worst the Vikings are going to go is 3-3. Three and three. I think that Raiders game is looking a lot tougher. The Bengals game is looking a lot easier. Those two Lions games are out there. Bears are not – I mean, yesterday you mentioned the Bears-Lions game. Bears clearly came to try to win that game and almost pulled it off in Detroit. I don't know if you can look past the Monday night game we got with the Bears coming up. Um, that Then they're at the Raiders. They're at the Bengals. Home versus the Lions. Home versus the Packers. And at the Lions. I, I think that the Vikings can sh- for sure – beat the Bears, beat the Bengals, beat the Packers. I'm a little concerned about the Raiders. I think they can pick that one up. I'm very concerned about the two Lions games. But I'm at least I think they're going to go 4 and 2 and if they go 4 and 2, they're they're 10 and 7. They're definitely a playoff team and they're one of those teams if you get to 10 and 7 with all they've been through, they're not going to be a team you can look past. No, I think that and that's one of the things. I think that's I think you're you're giving them you put them at ten and seven. I, I, that's 10 not 7. an unfair position. Okay, that's not un, that's not that's that's a fair position. That's a fair fair setting. And if the Vikings then at that point come into the playoffs at ten and seven, um, they'll likely would they would likely face Detroit if they're the, if they're the seven. Uh, they'd likely face Detroit. That means they you know they got the any advancement through the playoffs for the Vikings is going to go through Detroit at least. That means that two more games that they get to play um, and then potentially in the playoffs, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Bengals got better, unfortunately, because of Joe Burrow. I think the Vikings' opportunities with the Bengals are have improved. Raiders concern me. You've got to remember something. As we talked last week, I had a little concern about the Broncos coming in because they had just beat the Bills and they had a little bit of swagger, a um, little bit of swagger with them. And so... We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens. But there's a real possibility that this team makes the playoff. And if you get Jefferson back, 
and you get some type of stability more in this quarterback position, they can, they can win. They've shown that. Mm-hmm. Some of the games that they've won with Dobbs over the last five games that they won, there was, I guarantee you, Matt, when you and I look back at some of our analysis, we did not expect them to win, and they could. They have the potential to win. Yep. Just which game shows up. And if they can get those fumbles and can hold on to some of those turnovers and some of those fumbles and the turnovers, they're going to be in a much better position. Uh, just by the way, just to look at it, because I just pulled it up here, uh, Lions, they host the Packers. They're going to beat the living daylights of the Packers on Thanksgiving Day. I guarantee you that. At the Saints, because they haven't, they've already had their bye week. So they got seven left. They're at the Saints, at the Bears. Uh, they host the Broncos, at the Vikings, at the Cowboys, and then home versus the Vikings. Um, I'll tell you that at the Cowboys looks a little rough, but I could see them, you know, I'm not sure they're going, they might be the, they could get the buy. They could get the buy. They we, absolutely could. Yeah. Remember how the season started? They went into Kansas city and won. Yep. Well, and, um, I'm going to do something just unholy on Thursday. I'm going to be rooting for the Packers. Okay. Okay. Are are you sure you just don't want to have an early dinner and then kind of just avoid it? Just turn on the second game. Turn on the Dallas game. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to meet with my priest in advance because it's really just I really feel unhealthy about it. But I'm gonna probably be rooting for the Packers privately, not with any type of fanfare, just inside my head. Oh God. Uh, that's, that's the indigestion course. I'm glad they get that game out. They're getting that game out early this year. Speaking of Thanksgiving, okay, you and I can focus on, on Vikings. Clearly we can talk about politics, but with Thanksgiving coming up here, let's talk a little bit about your food choices on Thanksgiving. Obviously, I, I just had our food guy on to talk about, you know, some people do prime ribs, some people doing ham. I'm turkey all the way. Are you team turkey? I'm team turkey. Uh, the, 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 the 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 woman that I host the podcast with Becky, she is uh, turkey on Thanksgiving. We've had a number of food fights. Uh, she likes to throw ham in there occasionally. I am anti ham on any meal, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorites because of the turkey. It's just wonderful. Uh, I love the turkey, and I'm all turkey in. All right, so uh, your your must side are you? Do you guys host at your house, or do you go to someone else's house? We, we will be we'll be out of we'll we'll be with relatives. Uh, we'll be with some in-laws, um, but turkey is, turkey's big and sides, dressing, everything. So it's always a family affair, whether we're hosting or not. So let's, let's get through some of these sides here. Okay. I want to hear more about some of these food ideas. All right. Green, uh, green bean casserole, right? I'm, I'm presuming that's a gimme at your place too. It's at the table. I, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, but it's there. I, it's, it's always the fan. I, I'll have a, a little bit of it. I'm surprised at how many people that's the, the dish they go to first. Uh, stuffing this year. I'm doing, uh, wild rice cranberry sausage stuffing. Uh, yeah. And after the show, if you give me your address, cause I'm going to stop by and pick some of that up. <laughs> you can, you can, you're, you can, I will make sure you, I will have a plate for yes. you if you want it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, do you know what kind of stuffing you're going to have? Uh, kind of traditional, okay. probably just traditional straight. Nothing, nothing too fancy. But I'm a, I love stuffing, and I, I'm a big stuffing guy. All right, mashed potatoes is obviously there. I got butternut squash. Absolutely. I got butternut squash. I do a little oh. syrup, syrup, little little cinnamon, little nutmeg in there. Very tasty. 
Uh, I also do a Brussels sprouts recipe, which is fantastic. It's uh, made with a little bacon, a little uh, balsamic vinegar, a little heavy cream in there. It's, it, it actually makes Brussels sprouts really tasty. <laughs> so we do that. Brussels uh, sprouts are great. Oh, I, I love them. I love them with that little bit of balsamic vinegar in them, like any greens. I like spinach with vinegar, uh, you know, kale with vinegar. I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that as long as I can do a lot of those greens, as long as, you know, because of my New England upbringing, I, I like a little vinegar yep. in there. That's great. Uh, most important question when it comes to side syrup yep. uh, is cranberry. I just made Where are you on cranberries. I made my cranberry sauce as I came here, uh, before I came here today. It takes about 20 minutes to make cranberries, little uh, one cup of water, one cup of sugar, uh, some orange zest, a little orange juice. You cook it up until the cranberries pop, put it into a dish, put it in the fridge. It will, it will seize up by the time you get to Thanksgiving. I like it because it tastes, I mean, I, the canned stuff is canned stuff. This is a very fresh, it's a very different beast, and I like it that way. Yeah, I'm a can guy. Uh, I always, ha- always have it, always will be. I will say that um, when we have Thanksgiving with family, um, a number of folks will bring different varieties of cranberries, and that's fine. I'm just, I'm a big connoisseur and a big advocate and a fan of cranberries from a can. I just love it. There's something that just harkens back to just always kind of a traditional Thanksgiving for me. I think the Pilgrims had that. I think they had cans of of cranberry. That that was pretty original, I think. And you can tell Becky, I think they told them not to get that ham anywhere near there. That's not not an option. I think that was the original thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pies. Where where, where is your pie selection? I I, have apple. Occasional pumpkin, but there has to be apple. And I'll maybe throw in cherry, but apple is kind of where I'll go. And a little bit of pumpkin. How about you? Uh, we got pecan. We got uh, cherry. Uh, we This is our first year. We're not doing a pumpkin pie because no one else was eating it. I was the only one eating it. Uh, and then we got, because of the kids, someone brought in a French silk pie a few years ago, and the damn kids fell in love with it. And so now they want a French silk pie. It's 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 just, it goes against everything. But they want the dang thing, so they get a French silk pie on Thanksgiving while the rest of us have cherry and pecan. Well, man, I, I got to tell you, it is Thanksgiving. You have to be thankful thankful to yourself, too. Nothing wrong with you having a pumpkin pie just for yourself, okay? Yeah, it, it, it was. There was nothing wrong with it outside of the fact that, you know, by the fourth or fifth serving, it, it, was, it was kind of waning a little bit. Oh, boy, I love I just And, and that's the great thing about Thanksgiving. I hope everybody travels safe. But the food and the and just the conversation with people and being thankful, uh, Thanksgiving is one of my absolutely favorite holidays. Uh, I, I agreed, agreed. I love the family getting together. I love, I love even watching bad football teams. I enjoy that, and I love getting together. I'm thankful for you, my friend. Uh, have a safe, thankful wonderful you, sir. Uh, travel. Safe. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll actually talk to you next Tuesday because the Vikes got the Monday night game with the Bears. I will be there, and I will report diligently on, on uh, Tuesday. All right, sir. Take care. Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings expert, our turkey expert as well on a Thanksgiving week. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show for a Monday, 952-946-6205. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I sh- maybe I should go get a pumpkin pie. I'm not. I mean, I'm not against it. I I, I do like. Uh, okay, so I did. I, I was born in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Fairview, Southdale. Shout out to my home dogs over there. Uh, when I was very young, I moved to Rhode Island. Wicked fun. 
<laughs> I had to actually go through therapy to remove the wicked from <laughs> from, from my vocabulary. Uh, I lived in Rhode Island uh, for quite a few years, lived in Georgia for two years, then came back to Minneapolis, graduated high school up here, and then U.S. military, and it, the fun trot across the globe. Anywho, um, you know, so I grew up a, 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 a bit on the East Coast there. And the, the traditional Thanksgiving meal that you get there. Now, the one thing that you get there that you don't get here as much is the oyster stuffing, which I really am. I'm actually a big fan of that. But with fresh oysters and stuff like that, I know some people out there that will do lobster and stuff like that on Thanksgiving. And I'm not against that. <laughs> I personally am. You, you want to go to town and invite me over? Hey, I'll be there with a, 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 my little carafe of butter. Uh, you'll, you know, ready for some dipping. Um, but I mean, over there you have pumpkin pie. I mean, that, you, you had pumpkin pie. That was it. I never had a pecan pie for Thanksgiving until I moved to the South. And it was like, pecan pie. All right. Sure. I'll give it a shot. I like it. I like it a lot. As a matter of fact, it was my favorite pie, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I, I you know, that, it's, it's kind of one of those things. That's where I kind of grew up with the traditions. It goes back to the vinegar thing I was talking about with the greens. You go out in the East Coast, you get you get you know spinach or anything. You always have vinegar with it, so that's kind of I like that. I like that that counterbalance tang, and it's a nice side dish, by the way. The Brussels sprouts with a little vinegar in it, not a bad side dish for you uh, for for uh, Thanksgiving. It kind of counters some of that other stuff out there. Uh, don't worry, we're back for two more days of this. Two more days. Get ready. Get a fresh bib for tomorrow. Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. That's up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.